Spring. Okay, Elliot, sing your little song. Uh, right now at the top? Oh, it doesn't make any sense. No, you owe us a song from the last episode. That's true. Well, I, so I, I should say that uh, we recorded the episodes a little out of order, so two episodes ago I mentioned the my idea for a song, Livia the Poisoning Lady, set to the tune of Lydia the Tattooed Lady, uh, that we recorded that yesterday, so this is the next day I have written it. Oh, my God. Elliot, but for you know, the audience, never mind. We'll be never mind. We'll, we'll, no, no, wait, but I'll say we'll I'll leave say that it. as a tease for the end. <laughs> okay. I just bumped your song, Elliot. All right, we'll do the song at the end, then. Welcome to iPotty. Leave all of that in. Welcome to iPotty. It's a 12-episode podcast from Maximum Fun in which I, John, of the Judge John Odron podcast, watch I, Claudius, the famous 1976 BBC miniseries about ancient Rome for maybe the fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth time. And he... Elliot Kalin, I, Elliot Kalin of the Flophouse podcast, watch it for the first time, and then we talk about it. This week we cover I, Claudius, episode V-I-I-I, according to the Wikipedia numbering, Zeus by Jove, and we welcome... A very special guest, a fellow fan of fake Roman history, Paul F. Tompkins. Hello. Hello. Now, I, I thank you for calling me Paul F. Tompkins. That's usually what my name is. But Uh-oh. just so you know, last night yeah, you I it. underwent a metamorphosis. Oh, oh no. wow. <laughs> oh, no. Really? Was it painful? Well, it was not great. It was like, you know how... Um, you give birth. Um, mm-hmm. Imagine you're doing well, no. that to yourself. <laughs> I don't. I don't know anything about giving birth, other than watching. Oh well, why would you? <laughs> right. <laughs> other than watching a surgical procedure, uh, <laughs> in both of the cases of my children, uh, they were they were taken from their mother's womb, uh, but mm-hmm. lived. Oh, so they can kill Macbeth. That's right. Good. That um, is good to know about them. May I ask, Paul? F- excuse me. Excuse me. I apologize. Uh, na- uh, uh, a person to be Meta- named in a moment. Metamorphosis named TBD. <laughs> may I ask, may I ask what was the nature of this transformation? Was the character of this metamorphosis? It was like um, uh, I became. I I started out as one thing, me, and then I became <laughs> another thing, which is also me, but better. Oh, oh, I see now. You've become a god. No, no, no. I'm a huge oh. cockroach. Oh, oh. Right. That happens, too, I guess. Yeah, that's another metamorphosis. (laughs) Paul, of course, is referring to the the incidents and adventures of this next episode. (laughs) The adventures. I don't. I don't. I don't don't have words anymore. They're a bunch of scamps. Yeah. Uh, In this very this very big and and heavy episode, one of the best. And Paul, I know, uh, has been a fan of I, Claudius for going back a long time. Indeed, didn't you have a, a show or a special called I, Tompkins? Yes, I, I did a, uh, a a Comedy Central half hour back in the day. Yeah. And for the backdrop, I had a, um, uh, you were allowed to choose your own backdrop. This is when they, they spent a lot of money on these things, <laughs> on, <laughs> on comedians that people didn't know. But I had a, um, a huge mural, like a Roman 
uh, fresco kind of what do they call it when it's like the little um, a mosaic a mosaic thank you in this in the style of the opening in the credits. style of the of the of the cover of the uh, I Claudia's box set and it was right. a, a me with a, a laurel wreath and a yes. wearing wearing the clothes that I was wearing on stage right. and um, it said I Tompkins on it and I, I have no idea where that backdrop is <laughs> that's I hope someone's the- enjoying it yeah, no, I think that's going to be the subject of an episode of You Must Remember This, but this is an episode. Knowing <laughs> oh, no, You Must yes. Remember This, it will be eight episodes of You Must Be Remember that's right. This. That's exactly so. But I remember <laughs> when, I saw, when I saw that, you had used it in some materials when, when you and I were just getting to know each other, mm-hmm. uh, Paul, a.k.a. Gregor Samsa, and I remember <laughs> feeling like there is a kindred spirit who also got to a good joke before I even thought of it, and that is... Basically, define my relationship to you, my my comedy <laughs> idol, Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> In any case, when we decided to do this this dumb podcast, I said to Elliot, "We have to have Paul on at some point." So I'm so glad you're able to make the time to do it. Thank you for having me, and thank you for honoring my request. When you first told me about this podcast and asked me if I'd be interested, I said, "Please let me come on for a Caligula episode because no, that uh, that performance by John Hurt has stuck in my mind so much." And uh, I'm thrilled to be talking about this episode. Great. Well, we'll talk about his performance and many more things. But first, just to very quickly recap uh, what happened in uh, the last episode, the previous episode, Reign of Terror, when we last left the Roman Empire. Previously on I, Claudius. (laughs) That's what I was hoping for. When we last left the Roman Empire, Sejanus banished Claude Squad leader Agrippina and her son Nero to some actually really nice islands off the coast of Italy. (laughs) Yes, please, to me. And meanwhile, he starved her son Drusus to death in prison. Why Drusus didn't get the island treatment, I do not know. That only leaves Caligula between Sejanus and the throne, which is awesome because Sejanus, a.k.a. Patrick Stewart with hair, is Emperor Tiberius's best employee, and he wants to be the emperor. <laughs> and certainly Tiberius will not make Caligula his heir, will he? Oh, Tiberius certainly will. Sorry, Sejanus, you should have loaned the emperor a porn scroll. And maybe not obviously <laughs> plotted to kill him, by the way. <laughs> This is a real hose before bros scenario. Tiberius is breaking all the rules. Caligula happens to be on site when Claudius, our hero, reveals that Sejanus and Claudius's own sister Lavilla are plotting to assassinate Tiberius. Caligula recommends an imperial guardsman named Gimli Treebeard, a.k.a. John Reese davies a.k.a. Macro, to kill Sejanus and lead the purge against all of Sejanus's friends and family, including horrifically his children. John, Caligula, this, is, this is Sala Erasure. <laughs> Excuse me. You're right. I apologize. Also known as Sala from Readers of the Lost Ark. Bed, and bed dates. Bed dates. Bed dates. And who else, Elliot? Professor Sliders. Professor Sliders. <laughs> Caligula is now next in line to the throne. Antonia stares into dead space as she waits for her villainous daughter, Lavilla, to die in a closet. And Claudius cries, Rome is finished, as the cramped cardboard marketplace set fills with blood and fake severed heads. <laughs> and also maybe he's crying because his history of Carthage was kind of a flop. <laughs> its drop has certainly been overshadowed by the news events. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We were talking, I don't know when was the last time you watched all of I, Claudius, Paul. It's been years, yeah. Yeah, but in the previous episode... The death of Sejanus and the purge of Rome and the and making Caligula the heir to the empire, which is all of the the big world stuff that's happening from Claudius's point of view. He's just trying to get his history of Carthage published without elephants, <laughs> without illustrations of elephants. Right. Yeah, for him, that episode is all about a, a failed book launch. 
So, and, and continuing the series of Claudius getting mad at craftsmen because they're not doing things the way he wants yeah. them to. Tra- tradesmen and shopkeepers are the bane of Claudius' existence. It's really the worst that he has to deal with. He cries Rome is finished, but Rome is not finished. Here we flash forward to Common Era 37 to 38 to episode 8, Zeus by Jove. This is the big one. This is the big Klig uh, energy episode, the notorious ZBJ. Back when we were reading letters, we people send in letters, Paul, uh, talking about their memories of being traumatized by I, Claudius as children, wandering <laughs> yep. into their parents' living living rooms. But what I didn't know happened was that lots and lots of people were shown this show while in Latin class in high school, which oh, was wow. wildly inappropriate. Yeah, absolutely. And the major and most chilling scene in this episode in particular was cited in a couple of letters. Just to refresh, this one came in from Adrian. My high school Latin teacher had us watch the entirety of I, Claudius in class over several Fridays. I assume because he was too old to care that much if he got fired. And, <laughs> and as, as we know when we read this letter before, Latin class weren't snitches. My main memory of this, beyond the show itself, are him lazily covering some of the nudity with his hand and telling us to go... <laughs> in front of a TV <laughs> like holding his hand up yeah other people wrote in and the, the teachers did oh. the exact same thing when the nudity came on oh, it was either on. the hand or a newspaper or manila like a folder. manila folder yeah thank you Elliot right exactly <laughs> but he also told us that the blood around Caligula's mouth after eating his incestuous child was strawberry jelly and my friend and I still say strawberry jelly at particularly gory scenes in movies. That comes from Adrian. And that serves as your content warning. Caveat listener. <laughs> I mean, Look, the content warning comes after the description of what happened. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about it more, but yes. Why would he bother saying strawberry jelly? Like, th- th- how old were these kids that they didn't understand the concept of fake blood? Did he was he trying to hide them from the idea of what actually was happening in the story? I would have to believe that it is his attempt at plausible deniability where people can say my my child said you showed them this. Uh, I I made it clear that was strawberry jelly. I don't know what your crazy child is thinking. Oh okay, I'm sorry elderly teacher. Who has tenure anyway, there's nothing we can do about it. Like the amount of explanation, the amount of explanation you'd have to do to get to the lie of strawberry jelly to 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 get past the parents is like it's not worth it. Just say, yeah, it's history. Well, I believe uh super producer Jordan Cowling uh, has arranged for uh, later in the series an interview with Magister Golenko, who was the Latin teacher of one listener named Leanne. And um, we can we can ask him his opinion as to why he showed this to children and wow. what he covered up and what he didn't. But for now, <laughs> there's also no Latin in it. That's the other thing, as there far is, as I can remember. There is it's no all Latin. in English. It's all. In, well, isn't that what they spoke in ancient Rome? Uh, uh, yeah, with a British BBC accent. English. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> BBC received pronunciation. All Unless right, you so, were from from Israel and then you had an you had some yeah. other accent. <laughs> Right. You had, you had sort of re- uh, received cliched Jewish uh, language <laughs> yeah. pronunciation. Uh, it's me, Herod. Uh, nice to see you. How's, how's things with Empire? Pretty good, huh? That, that guy is just a British actor, James Walkman. He was on <laughs> yeah. Game of Thrones. 
<laughs> All right, let's get into it. Let's skip over the opening scene, the framing device, because once well, again, it's just old man Derek Jacoby with his pancake makeup. I just, a, oh, I, just, I just want to mention one thing about that opening. Uh, Claudius says, everything you're going to hear is unbelievable but true, which is actually not the case. This is possibly the least historically accurate episode in the series, and I'll be explaining that further as we get through the examples. Well, that was definitely worth breaking into my sentence for. <laughs> <laughs> I'll continue fondling a little jade doll that used to belong to his brother Germanicus, who was uh, poisoned and scared to death by his own son Claudius when he was a little boy. I feel like Claudius's little intros in these episodes is like proto ASMR. Like it's very uh. like the sound of it is so it's so quiet and so isolated. Like there's no background noise whatsoever. It's incredibly specific and it's comforting in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, it's a, he's just a retired man thinking about his life and fondling Jade dolls. <laughs> I said I would tell everything, and I shall. I shall hide nothing, nothing. And if what comes next may seem incredible, believe it. Believe it. The comfort of these scenes and just getting to hear Derek Jacoby's voice, which is great. Yes. Is a little offset by the horror of the of the makeup. There's a little bit a little bit much makeup. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it, it is kind of a um it's kind of a bummer when you when you look back at stuff that was the the best of its time and it looks so fake now. And you you've I don't know I feel retroactively I feel bad for them like like w at the time watching that you'd be like this is excellent age makeup would but you be though <laughs> I think so because it, that was the best that it was Do you know what I mean yeah yeah I'm not sure that anyone watched this in real time thinking this is the apex of, of visual makeup effects and set decoration I think well, those cer certainly the makeup department and set department did <laughs> <laughs> they, we they did, the, did it <laughs> there's all, also the the uh, property department has a lot of pride in supplying cartoonishly large obviously rubber <laughs> knives one of one of in many episodes one of which features prominently in this one and yes. elliot kalen yes sir may i apologize for for being mean to you we're, we're I mean, at apologies it, already <laughs> It's, it happens every ten minutes. It's gonna it's gonna happen again, and we'll get the apology again. And it's I really I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't interrupt me again. Tiberius's <laughs> cut to Tiberius's death shed. I'm not really sure we've seen this one before. Where, where do you think we are in this one, Elliot? This is his bedroom in Capri. In Capri, he's still on Capri. He's still in Capri, and so Caligula and Capri and Tiberius they lived together in Capri for six years. Uh, in real uh, life. In real life. And oh. so, again, another possible sitcom, Tiberius and Thrasyllus, they could have done it. Uh, Plancina and uh, what's his name? Could have done Piso. it. Piso, yeah. Piso, Plancina. But this yeah. is, it, this, as with a lot of stuff in this show, especially in this episode, they condense history. But you have to imagine Caligula and Tiberius living together for six years at this bizarre uh, predatory resort that he set up for himself. <laughs> but now he's finally on his deathbed. Yeah. Well, finally. Or so we think. That's what Imperial Guard Gimli tells Caligula, <laughs> that that the Emperor, who looks terrible, by the way, George Baker has never, <laughs> never looked more scaly and scabby than the, ever the before. open the open wounds on oh, the head are particularly wet in this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like wow. 
It's so gross. Is this part of it? The aging process? No, thanks. Right. Also, weren't these guys, they died at like 35? <laughs> yeah. Do we know how old, do we know how, how old, old Tiberius w- was when he died? How old was an old man then? So he died when he was 77. So he was aged at the time. Right. And let's talk about Caligula's age now. Do we know how old Caligula is supposed to be? Caligula at this point he is about 25. Right. But he's so still played he, by John Hurt, who is 35 or 36 at this point. <laughs> yes. And as you've said, looks to be about 60. He looks older than ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the stress of living with Tiberius for six years. That's going to do it to you. You know, John Hurt in this scene looks like a withered sentient bottle of Elmer's glue. Like <laughs> he's, he's so weird and pale and pasty. It's wonderful. In any case, Macro tells uh, Caligula, yeah, the emperor is definitely dead. He snatches a signet ring off. He goes out to greet the senators who are so happy that Caligula is emperor because I guess, <laughs> I guess, sure. And, it's party uh, time. Well, this <laughs> was, this was, and, that's, and that part is true. When, when Caligula ascended to the right. throne, uh, it was people were so excited. They, they loved his father, Germanicus. Uh, and uh, one of the Roman historians, Suetonius, he says that 160,000 animals were sacrificed during the first three months of his reign just out of public rejoicing. Like wow. people were just, they could not wait. <laughs> they were like, finally, we're, things are going to get back on track. Caligula is the emperor. Now, this is something... <laughs> I, I hear his, ma- his inauguration was the highest attendance ever. <laughs> he says records are spotty. He says it. We got to believe him. But nobody at the time, and this is something that I'll just mention once, uh, nobody would have called him Caligula at this point in his life. His name was Gaius Caesar, and Caligula was his childhood nickname. Uh, huh. So it means little soldier boots because his mom used to dress him up as a little soldier when he was a boy. I have some family friends, and they have a, a young son named Tatum. And when he was a baby, we always called him Baby Tatum. And we had a joke that when he was running for president someday, we would be like, only one man has what it takes for the job. That's Baby Tatum. And that's kind of what they're doing in the show with Caligula. Is they're calling him by his childhood nickname all the time. But that's his famous name, so that's what they're going to do. Elliot, did you have a childhood nickname? Sometimes I was called Jelly Belly, just because it sounded like it. I was not an overweight child. All but, right. Uh, the, yeah, but so it would be like if I was the emperor, and they're like, hail Jelly Belly. Finally, Tiberius is gone. The reign of terror is over. In my case, it would have been Hale Hedgehog. That was my elementary school nickname. Really? Really? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Wow. Because of my prickly personality (laughs) and anglophilia. (laughs) Because because you know one big thing. I know one big thing and I hate foxes. That's the thing. (laughs) Mine was uh, Big Soldier Boots. Isn't that weird? Oh, wow. Wow. Very strange. Right. What would that be? Caligulo. Caligulo. Caligulissimo? I think I think the I think, I think the word what? was Caliga. Well, uh, in, oh Caliga? I yeah, Cal- Caligulo is better. Caliga, take me away. <laughs> but in fact, Caligula does use his own proper name and also <laughs> also changes history by saying that the emperor's last words were I die in peace, little Gaius, knowing that you rule in my place. Those were his last words. I wept. I fell to my knees and wept. History is written by the pasty. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, but then finally, a slave runs out. And I know that he's a slave <laughs> because he is credited as slave. <laughs> we'll talk more about him later at the end of the show. But it's a, a, a moment of comedy. He's like, the emperor is alive again and he wants his supper. And, and his uh, ring, he mentions. He wants his ring and his supper. <laughs> right. 
his imperial ring and also i believe it was beef cutlets yes <laughs> yes and this was this was a great way for george baker one of my favorite actors in the show to go out this bit, <laughs> this bit of physical comedy where macro runs in and discovers yeah the emperor is tiberius is still alive and he's up and complaining and tiberius just, i mean macro just pushes him back into bed and, and pillowcases him to death yeah <laughs> I think I think it's, I think George Baker goes. I want a beef, mm. <laughs> and then it's goodbye, scabhead. Now he's definitely dead. <laughs> yeah. And the Senate, as you say, hails little Gaius. We are at the dawn of a new golden age of uh, madness and perversion. But now we cut to a uh, fake garden at Claudius's house. I think the Claude Squad. <laughs> <laughs> is reunited, but their numbers are diminished. It's only Claudius, his mother Antonia, and here comes Herod Agrippa coming back to play. Guess who? With Antonia, who for the first time seems to smile. Herod, I was thinking about you only the other day, wondering where you were and what you were doing. If I wasn't trying to borrow money from someone, I was probably thinking of you. Because oh. hmm? <laughs> Herod is infectious. You cannot not like Herod. You can't, lo- you can't hate Herod. You love him. He's yeah. a even, fun guy. Even Caligula later on. Is like Herod. Come, come, walk with me. You're fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you wear fun coats. Uh, you always got jokes. <laughs> There's such a Richie Cunningham Fonz relationship between Claudius and Herod. <laughs> where you're like, why are they friends again? <laughs> Herod is so cool. Okay, if Herod likes him, I guess there's something to him. <laughs> Herod just like bangs the walls and all the olive oil lamps flare up. (laughs) (laughs) Snaps his fingers and all these and these Vestal Virgins just go around him, you know. We also in the scene meet Gemellus, who is the second in line to the throne. Or I should say now that uh, uh, Caligula is emperor, he is. Yeah, he's second in line to the throne. He is. He was named the second heir by Tiberius. And he's this he's this little little kid. He's a little creepy kid. Different creepy. (laughs) from little Caligula. <laughs> he's he's more of a he's more of a like obnoxious kid, you know. He's really ob- the actor who played this uh this child is named uh, Doug Melbourne and he he, <laughs> he didn't do we'll talk more about him later. He didn't do much after this. Yeah, cuz he achieved it all. He he has a very minimalistic style of acting. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much like a David Mamet sort of say what's on the page, the text will take care of it. You don't have to throw a lot of sauce on it. Well, they're like, "Hey, you're going to you're eating too many pastries. You got <laughs> you got to you got to lay off the pastries." And he's yeah. like, mm, "Some people drink too much wine. I eat too much pastries." <laughs> yeah, it gives a lot of side eye. That's the tea, sis. Yeah. And like Claudius Drag me, child. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing else much in this scene other than we reestablish that Antonia, that Lavilla, Claudius's sister, is dead. And Antonia did it. And Antonia's line was the classic Antonia line. Well, let's not talk of it. She's dead and at my hands. I'd do it again. I'd do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she is, as you as you were saying before, she's gone. She's completely Rorschach at this point. What's done is done, and I did it. Yeah, that's right. She's, it's she, over now. She be, she became kind of a masked vigilante in the last episode, <laughs> trying to out, trying to find, get to the secret of what Lavilla was up to, and it was Lavilla's plan to assassinate Tiberius with Sejanus that set all of this in motion. But now, now one, one thing, one thing about Gamellus in real life, he was slightly older than this. He was like eighteen, nineteen. Uh, but I, I'm, I like the choice they made to make him more of an adolescent. Because it just makes oh. every line he says that much that much more entertaining to me. 
Yeah, you hate him. You hate him. You understand why. <laughs> oh, really? You understand why if you were a mad god king, you might do something to him. But that's not, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Cut to the imperial outer cardboard chamber, now turned throne room. <laughs> Caligula and Drusilla are there. Drusilla is his sister and his love interest. A lot of tongue kissing between them. <laughs> Nothing I think captures for me the the seesaw between comedy in this episode and and genuine horror and chills than this scene which starts very much as the the senators are heaping honors upon Caligula he is receiving them like a greedy child he is giving them what what they want parties bread and circuses the burning of Sejanus's criminal records and of course what everyone was asking for and in future the month of September will be known as Germanicus after my father as August was after my great after my great I'm not sure about the month renaming, but the other stuff of things that he did, the first six months or so of his reign, right. and according to history, and we don't have a lot of sources that are super reliable from that time, but right. the first six months it was like, I'm getting rid of Tiberius's treason files, we're going to have all these big celebrations, and people loved it. So they've condensed like the first six months of his, of his reign into about like an hour or so here. We can talk about what happened in the scene beat by beat, but the overall trajectory is watching John Hurt as Caligula be, become unhinged as you yeah. before your eyes and that was in, that was kind of incredible it really was i forgot how relatively normal he starts out right because what i my in my memory it's definitely at the end of of his just madness um, right. and i forgot like oh he's kind of got one foot in the world <laughs> <laughs> still when he starts out and it's yeah, right it's it's he's so great i love john hurt so much and it was it it uh, this is such a it's a performance that you you don't hear people talk about much you know but yeah. it's it's really great he's fucking great he wasn't going to take the role he had oh, turned really? it down yeah according to wikipedia and it wasn't until uh herbert wise the director Herbert Wise, the director, decided to have a, a rap party before the show started filming because he knew that people would be wrapped <laughs> out and not available. Because right. it was this, this strange show, too, where the entire cast is never together all the same episode. So right. I think it was his way of being like, let's get to know each other before the show starts because a lot of you are really not going to interact with each other during production because you don't share episodes. So the story that I read on Wikipedia, and you did obviously too, Elliot, because that's yep. our main source of research. <laughs> is that Herbert Wise invited John Hurt to the party, um, even though John Hurt had said, no, I don't feel like playing this character. And when he met all the other actors, he's like, this is the greatest. I want to be a part of it. Let's do it. Yeah. And that's how it happened. Hey, it's all my, it's all my friends that I see every day anyway. Yeah. Let me, let me <laughs> get in on this. <laughs> this is a small country. Who am we I going to hang out with if they're all working on this? Yeah, we, all have, we all of us work together in two in two city blocks in the West End and just <laughs> smoke cigarettes and destroy our livers. So let's do it together and make some money. How about that? So Caligula, so Caligula does start out smiling and normal, and uh, all, even though he's joined by his concubine, his very own sister. Uh, but pretty soon he starts to unravel, and his headache, he starts to talk about having a headache, and hearing galloping of horses, and you start to hear the galloping of the horses. Claudius is named co-consul, which is a what is that, Elliot? It's basically like uh, in in many ways, it's it's like co-president, you know, co-administrator. I mean, and mm -hmm. Caligula makes it clear he's like, I'm going to do all the ceremonial stuff, and you can do the actual boring running of Rome that I don't want to do. Right. I'll think of everything, and you'll do everything. 
when when uh, when <laughs> when Tiberius named Caligula his heir, I believe it was that he had named. He said, "You're going to be the next consul." Oh, and that okay. was and and when Sejanus was his his road to the emperor was he wants to be named consul and that right. means he's going to be so it's like that he's basically he's in a way almost making Claudius his co-emperor in in uh, in responsibilities if not in name. Gotcha. Which Claudius doesn't want. He's never wanted to be a, a, a part of politics at all. And now he has to live in the palace. And his first mission from Caligula is he's got a commission two statues for Caligula's dead brothers, Drusus and Nero. And then Caligula gets another head another headache for a while. Tongue uh, tongue kisses his sister for a while, and then he starts telling the story. <laughs> Good for what ails you. Yeah, and then he starts telling the story about how he almost killed Tiberius, but was stopped by the voice of Augustus. And I I lifted the dagger in order to strike, when a divine voice sounded in my ear. Great grandson, stop! Hold your hand. To kill him would be impious. see if I could find the owner of the voice, but there was no one in the room besides the emperor and myself. And yet I felt the presence of the divine Augustus. And that's apparently a real story he told. I don't know about the Augustus part, but he apparently did claim that he snuck into Tiberius's room with a knife to get revenge for, the, for what Tiberius did to his family and then threw the knife down and decided not to and Tiberius spared him. And so who knows if that's it? So much, so much of what's going on with Caligula. Wait a Tiber- no, uh, Caligula spared Tiberius. Is what? No, that that Caligula spared Tiberius, but then Tiberius spared him for oh the, for, for, the, for the for attempt. To, right. Yeah, in the, I assume thinking, well, if if Caligula goes, there's my my porn pipeline. What I got to get for that guy? But the uh, it's you never know with with Caligula whether the things he's saying are truth or lies, or whether they're things that he believes, even if they're fa- false, or if he's trolling and there's a lot of caligula's emperorship where there's a lot of debate over like did he mean that because he was crazy or was he joking as a way to like stick it to the senate nobody really knows he's a big mystery take him seriously don't take him literally exactly yeah (laughs) he also doesn't know how to pronounce a certain word that you mentioned before i was teeing that up for you elliot oh thank you as he's as he's about to kill tiberius in the story he he hears from augustus that to kill him would be what Impious, impious. Which, which, I, if my captions that I had had on the screen to double check that word didn't spell it as impious, I'd be like, "What?" Like he's being like an imp. And John Hurt, and I don't know if this is maybe this is just how I've never heard British people say the the word before. But the same way that he says goddess in earlier episodes, I'm right. like, did I wonder if John Hurt made the decision to say certain words off in order to to keep this character feeling even more otherworldly because he's it, so out of step a, with everybody else. It is a weirdly apt mispronunciation of impious because... Yes. I, I wonder, though, if that might be one of those... Briti- because goddess is very is very British. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's here's a little... This is a little uh, tip for the listeners. Okay. If you if you want to spot... Tip for the list. If you want to... <laughs> tip list for the uh, If you want to spot a British actor doing an American accent... Listen for the word ballet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Even an otherwise flawless American accent, they cannot say ballet. They will always say ballet. Ballet. Ba- with the emphasis on bal. Ballet. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like how they say cafe. Yeah. Yeah. And like how they call uh, uh, jail gale. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, that's... <laughs> anyway, galloping starts up again. What started as a great meeting between Cla- uh, Caligula and the senators where everyone was happy. All of a sudden, Caligula's 
on the floor writhing around screaming help father help me father help me not a confidence building <laughs> moment in Rome <laughs> cut to the statue shop now Claudius has got to go get those statues made and uh, and he's like will they be made on time <laughs> it's a great scene as you say Elliot the sequel to the uh, to the uh, elephants on the Carthage history shopkeeper uh, sketch from last week's Monty Python now now we're in Black Adderland because yeah. Baldrick <laughs> Baldrick the, the, the statue maker is like if we don't know when they'll be ready or whatever. I can't do that yeah. accent. The marble's not in. We've got to get the, yeah, that kind of, it's, yeah, I've got it's... tickets for the ballet. <laughs> You've got the marble. You haven't started them. I promise you we'll make a start tomorrow. In any case, the way the emperor is, he's not going to be ready in time for the ceremony. <laughs> you provide the emperor. That's his business. You just make sure those statues are ready. For me, it's classic, uh, classic Clavdivs. He is like, <laughs> You know, now, okay, now nobody important is around. I'm the important one. I get to be a jerk. I get to, like, <laughs> yell at people. Um, I never thought of that. I, I could take a break from being a worm in front of people that might kill me, and now I get to scream at you. Ineffectually, however, let's just point yeah. out. Oh, yeah. No, you're not going to do anything that I say, but right. it's not going to make any difference, but at least I get to let off some steam. <laughs> Well, now we cut to Caligula's bedside. Caligula is in a coma, uh, according to uh, uh, Macro Gimli. The Senate prays for him hourly uh, for some reason. They still love him. I presume Caligula had a seizure of some kind. I don't know. Do do we know? Was this something that happened, Elliot? This is something that happened. So, uh, so that's the thing. He had that first six months of uh, apparently being a relatively positive emperor, a much better emperor than Tiberius. And then he had a mysterious illness that laid him low. And when he arose from it, According to the sources, he was a madman, insane. And there's and nobody really knows exactly what it was. And I've looked up some possible illness sources or insanity sources. Right. <laughs> and and the list includes uh, of possibilities that have been suggested are encephalitis, epilepsy, meningitis, hyperthyroidism, trauma, just deal suddenly dealing with the personal trauma of what happened to him in his youth, uh, and a magic potion. Juvenile, the historian says he was given a magic po- potion that turned him insane. Probably not that one. But <laughs> I don't know. I vote for potion. But he did have. But there was illness going around Rome, and uh, and so he had this this sudden attack that afterwards he was either never the same again, or it or it quickened his plans to reveal himself as an insane person. And it's uh, another possibility is that he might have been poisoned because again, everyone in Rome is in constant yeah. danger of poisoning. Yeah, that's what I that's what I mean. Potion. He got a potion. He got potioned. So much poison, so much poison all over the place. One arguably important plot beat here is that a senator named Lentulus, who's one of Caligula's toadies, offers uh, to Macro that he would trade his life for the emperor's if that would help. And Macro's like, I'll keep that in mind. And he does till later. <laughs> but anyway, Caligula wakes up. He's kookier than ever. He chokes Drusilla for a while and sends for her to get Claudius. <laughs> and now we have the scene that we alluded to when we welcomed Paul F. Tompkins to this podcast, The Metamorphosis. Well, I hope that you're better. I've never really been ill. Oh, really? No. I've been undergoing a metamorphosis. Uh, oh, what was it painful? One of the things I love about uh, uh, 
John Reese Davies, you know, that little speech where he there's a lot of comedy in this episode. There is. And yeah. When he comes out and delivers the speech about, um, you know, Caligula becoming a god. First, I love that you can hear his Welsh accent come out, which, right. it, which I never really heard before. But also just the the ending of like and uh, oh yeah Drusilla's a god too. <laughs> he, has, um, he, has, he, has, he has this great line. He goes over to Herod. He goes Caligula and Drusilla are gods. We're not. And it's just, it's just like such a <laughs> yeah. That's right. So uh, before uh, John Rhys Davies announces this to the Senate, hilariously, I agree. There's an exchange between Claudius and Caligula, as Claudius is forced to guess what Caligula is talking about. Clue mm-hmm. is like, I've gone through a metamorphosis. And what is the nature of the, what is the character of this glorious change? Rubber knife to neck. Uh, Caligula says, isn't it obvious? And some quick, uh, weaselly detective work by Claudius says, you've become a god in mortal disguise. And the god that he thinks that he is, is not merely Jove, which is the the top of the Roman pantheon of, of gods, but of the OG Jove, Zeus. And, mm-hmm. that, and for that reason, he's going to marry his sister. Uh, as Zeus by, OG, married, by OG, you meant original Greek. Original Greek, yes, the original Greek. He's like kind of going over his resume, and he's like, Zeus only married one sister, but I've slept with three sisters. Right. And Zeus only killed his father. Uh, his- Zeus killed his father, but I did it as a child. He's like, also, he's like, I'm Zeus, but I'm kind of like, the, the I'm Zeus 2.0. I'm the I'm new even, version. I'm even more of a monster than Zeus was, so obviously <laughs> I've got to be a bigger god. And yeah. that guy wasn't even real. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and Claudius, the Claudius can't help but get an all scholar and like, well, actually, my lord, uh, <laughs> one one thing you might not know about the story is that Zeus had a Zeus impregnated his sister Metis, but before she could give birth, he drew the child out from its womb and ate it whole because he was afraid the child would be more powerful. You know what? That was a story you could have left behind, Claudius. <laughs> Absolutely. That was not an idea you needed to plant in this madman's head. No, but Bad it's, idea, it's, dummy. It's such classic nerd behavior where it's like, uh, I also know about that thing. Uh, let me also explain <laughs> something I know. So you don't think that you're telling me about it. I also know about it already. So I it feels very real to me. <laughs> I cannot keep this knowledge to myself. <laughs> That's right. No. There's no way this can backfire. This bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> in any case, Claudius gets out of there using a line that I intend to use every time I leave any party or social situation. The divine air you exhale is too strong for me. <laughs> so that replaces your last favorite, what was it, now kiss me and go? You, you may kiss me now and go. <laughs> and the next one that I might swap in is when I'm saying goodbye to a guest, go in peace. I was thinking of killing you, but I've changed my mind. <laughs> Which is what Caligula says to Claudius as he runs home and rejoices with Herod and his mother saying, this is so, this is, he's gone out of his mind as soon as, the, as soon as the responsible Republican Senate yeah. realizes this. <laughs> surely, surely he will be exposed for a fraud and a madman. Yeah, this, this scene was a little on the nose for the thing that happened 40 years after the show came out. Yeah, I, that's right. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ooh, Claudius, like that's, that's like, right. you're hitting a nerve. Come on, that's right. And together they, they toast, they toast the restoration of the republic and common decency. It's sure to come now. Ha 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 ha. Fade to black. So happy, I'm going to dump my drink on my <laughs> yeah, head. Yeah, Claudius is in such joy, he throws the wine over his head. Like, oh, finally it's time for party, Claudius, to come out. Like, what is that choice? That's so strange. <laughs> 
Do you think that was an improv in the moment? That was a classic Jack of the improv. I don't. Why would it be scripted? It's so weird. I, like I watched it so many times. Like, why does he do this? The like answer he goes, is he goes to take a sip. It, it, here's the thing. For me, it would be like if he took a sip and then dumped it on his head or dumped some of it on his head and then took a sip. But the fact that he goes to drink it <laughs> and then says, you know what? No, this is I know what to do. This has to go right on top of my head. <laughs> That's how happy I am and relieved. This is <laughs> this, call, this calls for a, a personal Gatorade moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break. We'll be back in a minute. iPodius is brought to you by you, the Max Fund membership. We wouldn't be here without you. But also this week, we're supported by Acorn TV. I'm really excited about this. We wanted to work with Acorn TV because, among other things, this streaming service of the best of British television is a great place to watch, guess what? I, Claudius. But also, guess what? My other favorite show, Foil's War. You ever see that one, Elliot? No, I haven't, but if I am enjoying I, Claudius so much, I, I guess I have to give it a try. I know. What's it's it a about? Gr- it, it's, a great, it's a great wartime mystery featuring the incredible Michael Kitchen playing Detective Foyle, who is solving crimes in the southeast of England during World War II, domestic crimes. Uh, and unlike I, Claudius, uh, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes so that might be the next podcast also <laughs> judge john hodgman listeners know that i love the show detectorists starring mackenzie crook and toby jones about twin well they're not twins but two metal detector enthusiasts uh as one of my favorite things it's also on acorn it's just great so, service so is that is that what a- acorn is 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 it just wartime detectives and metal detectors is it just detectings of things or no. what else do they have they have all kinds of content from mystery and thrillers to comedy and drama. Acorn TV is your streaming destination for critically acclaimed series from Britain, but also Australia and also Ireland and beyond. Wait, but hold on. I mean, is it, it's just full of like English actors I've never heard of, right? What about big TV stars? No, it's, it's some of the TV's biggest stars are on Acorn TV. Sandra Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Olivia Coleman. Oh, wow. Binge watch a classic series like Midsummer Murders, or discover a new favorite, I'm going to say Foil's War and or Detectorists by going to Acorn TV. And guess what, Elliot? More good news. Uh, please keep it coming. This all sounds great. Listener, visit www.acorn.tv or download the Acorn TV app on your favorite device and then use code PODIUS, P-O-D-I-U-S, for an extended 30-day free trial. That's acorn.tv, code PODIUS. Acorn TV, it's world-class TV from Britain and beyond. And I'm so thrilled uh, that they reached out to us. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man, sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. 
What's that show called again? Heat rocks deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Okay, welcome back. Caligula has become uh, a god, specifically the god Zeus. Uh, Claudius thinks this is going to be the restoration of the Republic, but no, of course not. As soon as Macro comes in and says, guess what? The emperor is a god now, metamorphosis. Uh, the Senate is like, uh, uh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> there is a moment, there's a moment of snickering that John Reese davies puts down with his deep, evil eyes. And he says, Although he is now a god, he is still the same lovable young man we've always known. I can attest to that. <laughs> Which I thought was a great, that was a great, great choice of, of words for him. <laughs> and Lentulus, who we saw before, he's the Lindsey Graham of the Roman Senate, is like, to his friends, like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Of course he's a god. This is great. And then the gods come in, that is to say uh, Caligula and Drusilla, and, and Caligula sidles up to Lentulus and goes, Well, I'm still here and so are you. But we oughtn't both to be here. Should we not give the gods the things that we promised them? You're in danger of the crime of perjury, Lentulus. Think about it. But not too long. The gods won't wait forever. Of that I can assure you, I know them only too well. Get to killing yourself. <laughs> was terrifying. Yeah, the, the scene, the <laughs> scene with uh, with Caligula and Lentulus was so great. Um, the way it, the way it unfolded and and the guy's reaction to it. Um, when yeah. he realized what was happening was it's so good. That actor is John Lorimore. And we'll hear more about his resume later. But basically, British actor Ooh. worked on television for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and he and this is a, that was a real person who Caligula did have killed. So there's there's some factual basis oh. to that. But I don't know about the full story. Oh, lentulous. What does that mean? Uh, lentil herder? Yeah, I think, yeah, a, a bringer of lentils, probably. Bring, bringer of lentils. <laughs> good family name. <laughs> the next scene is not so good. It's back in the garden of Claudius's house. Antonia is just getting all ripshit because no one is just murdering the emperor. At this point, well, she's... She's just like, you're cowards. You're both yeah. cowards. Why didn't you kill him right then? <laughs> exactly. And this, and it's easy for her to say she killed her her daughter and like listen to her dying. So like she's reached that point where she's right. like, ugh, why can't you guys just do what I do? It's I, I went, I, you know, I, I could do it. Why can't you do it? So she's got that, that aspect of her, which is, yeah. you know, not understanding, not she's, understanding what they're going through. She's become Livia, but a more blunt instrument. Like just kill, just murder someone. Why don't you? That's how I <laughs> yeah. solve problems. But Claudius is like, what can I do? I have a mad nephew, but I can't kill him, which happens. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next scene. Temple of Zeus. Cut to Temple of Zeus. Yeah, Caligula, this is Caligula and Jones in the Temple of Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what character did John Hurt play in the Indiana Jones verse? Uh, he was, wasn't he? Uh, he, he was, was in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right? Yeah, he was Marion. Marion's husband. Oh. He was like, and they called him Ox. He was like a British academic that I think they called Ox, and it was implied that he was. Mutt, uh, Shia LaBeouf's dad, but really, you all know Indiana Jones is his dad, probably. And right. uh, but it was, it was, it was a very uh, not really meaningful part. Didn't give him much to do. He had a beard. I yeah, think. I completely blocked him out of that movie, as as I did much of that movie. Yes, well done. <laughs> I'm sorry that I even brought it up. 
But Caligula and Drusilla are here uh, in the temple of Zeus in their midsummer midsummer robes. Uh, they're the new gods, and they're throwing out old Mr. and Mrs. God, telling uh, Jove and Hera, or the statues thereof, to get lost, we're going to put you in an attic. And Drusilla reveals that she's pregnant with the child of Zeus. It was like the sun bursting in my veins. It was like a shooting star. It is as if all the lights of the universe blazed at once in my womb and a new universe was born. So I don't know if they ever really did this stuff, but Caligula was like, I want all the gods' heads on the statues changed to my head and we're going to move. I'm going to be the god. He, like, he really did uh, declare his godhood when alive and tried to make it happen, but I don't know that he ever really like went in and roasted the, the gods this way because they're just like heckling the hell oh, that, out of these guys that has not been recorded for history <laughs> yes. unfortunately yeah the tapes were erased of the of the of the, of the caligula's roast of the of the roman pantheon right. but uh so drusilla says here oh but i'm pregnant i have the child of zeus in me and this is something that there's that the, uh it's not really clear at all whether uh Caligula actually slept with his sisters. Uh, One historian says it was all the sisters. One historian says it was one sister. And the historians that were around during Caligula's time, they don't really mention it. Uh, It's possible that it was either a slanderous rumor or it was because instead of Caligula's own wife, he had Drusilla like as his co-host at banquets, which was usually (laughs) the wife's role. But uh, as we'll see later, uh, Caligula does terrible things to Drusilla, but in real life, that's not how she died. And it's possible— that she actually died uh, of the same illness that maybe claimed, that laid him low. It was slightly afterwards. Uh, and he was distraught and like really emotionally destroyed by it afterwards. So he was very close to her. But whether he was this close, nobody knows. Well, in any case, in the, in the world of the show, Drusilla says one thing that she shouldn't when she claims, when she reveals that she's pregnant, which is, I'm bearing the child of Zeus, the child of Zeus to rule the universe. Whoops. Don't plant the seed that this child is going to be a bigger god than your own insane husband. Ugh. No, she should have said, I'm bearing the child of Zeus, and he's very sickly. He's very sickly. <laughs> won't, won't do a good job. I can tell he's a real he's a real nerd. He's probably just going to be very bookish. <laughs> a real o- order follower. That's just right. a guy who likes to be told what to do and doesn't have any thoughts of his own. It's hard when you can tell that your fetus is so unambitious that he just, you know, he's just a go along, get along fetus. But that's what I'm feeling right now. Like he's in there. He's not kicking even. He's just like hanging out. So he's got a couch in there. Back to the statue shop. Baldrick didn't finish the job. Uh, uh, Claudius is very angry that the two statues won't be ready. Threatens to sue him. Uh, I don't know what to say about this scene. It's fine. (laughs) It is. It is such a. It's in in retrospect. You wonder why, and I, I wonder if this is just an an example of like Claudius gets so focused on a task that he is a, is not really noticing the big things going on around him or is distracted from them. Much like in the last episode, because otherwise these statues they don't really end up playing much of a part in anything. It's not like at the end he's going to defeat Caligula through the power of these statues or something. No, it's not that. I think it's. I think that he's aware as we go to, back to the throne room. And he has to confess to, Cal- to Caligula that the statues are not going to be ready in time for the ceremony, that he's going to be killed. I mean, this is the first time he's been given an official job in government. Yeah. And he, and he effed up and he's he, he's fears for his life. Don't you, you think? the job, Claudius. <laughs> <laughs> 
they, they, they have to scrap the big banner that says statues accomplished. Right. <laughs> <They're> gonna... <laughs> but as he try as he tries to uh, confess to Caligula, that the statues aren't ready. Caligula keeps putting him off because Caligula is no longer hearing the phantom galloping of horses. He's hearing the phantom coughing of Gamellus way across the palace. Can't you hear it? to have the senses of a god I can hear everything even a leaf falling on the other side of the world sometimes it's unbearable to hear so much can't you hear anything not a thing such a great moment like when he's like listen and Claudius is like oh yeah and he goes it stopped yes (laughs) it has (laughs) that is classic comedy yeah, Claudius is playing along that he yeah. that he does hear it, but then he's like, "What's wrong with you? It stopped, and like, it I did know. stop. It did, it did. It stopped on purpose. Oh yeah, you're I, right. That's, yeah. that's the oh yeah, you're right. Like oh, now that I hear it, yes, it has stopped. Like a thing <laughs> you, you just cannot say. He's, he's, uh, you know how I, you get so used to a sound that you don't even hear it anymore until it goes away. So <laughs> now right. that it's quiet, I realize I was hearing the coughing all the time. And yes, it stopped now. You're right, Emperor. <laughs> well, I, I love the writing in this scene because y- you think that what's going on is here's just some more evidence that Caligula is losing his mind. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what's being established in this moment is uh, and pays off at the end is that Caligula has set something in motion that he is thinking about. Because when Claudius finally does say the statues aren't, the statues aren't going to be ready, and Caligula grabs a big rubber knife and is like, "I'm going to kill you," uh, Claudius gets saved by the head because Macro comes in bearing the head of Camellus. So let's move on. We go back to Claudius's room. Uh, Antonia, uh, they can't believe that Camellus was killed and named a traitor before the Senate. Antonia says people will believe anything if it suits them. Again, on the nose. <laughs> this is what's the important part of the scene. Yeah. Is Antonia says, I don't want to live in this shithole anymore. I'm going to kill myself. And she's so calm about it. And again, like suicide, as we've seen in the show, is like, is, was a regu- relatively commonplace thing and a way of uh, getting out of shame or, or avoiding punishment. Or, and here, but here it's just like, eh, this sucks. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go. And uh, I need, and she goes over her, uh, the, the funeral prep that she wants Claudius to do. And she's like, remember to cut off my hand for separate burial because I'm a suicide. Eh, you know what? Maybe I'll just tell somebody else to do it. You'll forget. (laughs) (laughs) Claudius is crying and she's like, why are you crying? And he's like, you're my mother. I shouldn't cry. Well, no need. Keep your tears for yourself. You may need them. I shan't. Don't do it, please. My mind is made up. I don't want to stay here anymore. I was born into a world of people. I'm a kennel of mad dogs. She's like, I've never, I don't understand. I've never been very loving to you. I'm sorry, but I couldn't help it. You were always a great disappointment to me. <laughs> so well, harsh. I suck. You suck. I don't get what we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, a truly amazing moment, I thought, where she says to him, all right, here are all your orders for taking care of my body afterward. And then she says, you may kiss me and go. And he can't, he, he breaks down and he puts his head down and she kisses him. Mm-hmm. Very un-Antonia. It was really, really touching. I think and, there's, a, there's a few, it's, it's, it reminds me of the scene between him and Livia right before she dies, where it's like, these people are finally seeing 
Claudius, it takes being on your deathbed to see Claudius as a human being who has emotions <laughs> and to recognize, to recognize that you yourself are a human being who has emotions and not just a walking responsibility to a larger cause or to your family or to Rome. And it's just like a show of how, uh, how distort, you know, that obviously Rome becomes distorted by the insanity of its emperors, but how distorting any system where, uh, your responsibility to, to, uh, the larger good or to propriety is more important than your responsibility to, to your loved ones, like how much that can twist your soul. And it's, it takes really being on the, at the end of your life to recognize like, Oh no. Okay. There was something more important that I should have been focused on. It's really That's sad. Weird. The lesson I got from this is family is not worth it. Was I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, six of one. That's the, <laughs> it's, it's the <laughs> we're closing in on the end of the episode. Let's take a little break. There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic! Because it's the, the words word for biography and picture. If you... All right, that is enough. Ahoy, I'm Dave Holmes. I am the host of the rebooted podcast formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree. Welcome back. Okay, so this is the big this is the big sequence that closes this episode. Drusilla is in the throne room, calling out for her lover. Zeusy, my husband, where are you? You're not Zeusy. You're not my husband, Zeusy. You're just my silly old uncle. Glorious. Zussie. <laughs> Zussie. That I have to wonder, was that scripted or was that just, <laughs> was that just actor Beth Morris winging it? Because that was funny. That's wonder, a good question. Might, might I say, might I say Zussie? Is, that, is, that <laughs> is it too OTT? Or might, might I say Zussie? And uh, Jack, Jack Pullman is like, it says on the page, Caligulicious. That's what you're supposed to say. If it's not on the page, don't say it. <laughs> And Herbert Wise is like, let's shoot it both ways. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have options in the cutting room. Right. Now we'll do one just for fun, and you can say whatever you like. <laughs> Zussie. Zussie. This time, just go crazy with it. <laughs> this this episode, it, it swings so wildly between horror and, and, uh, and like comedy. comedy. Like and true comedy. Like as Paul has pointed out. Truly beautiful, deadpan comedic setups and punchlines, as well as awful, awful horror. And I, do you think that's be- because partly because the detail? Because and clearly the show has always had jokes in it, but now that now the jokes are wider and broader. And do you think it's because they're making? I assume it's a they're doing it on purpose as a stylistic thing. But is it possible that Caligula's reign and what they want to do with Caligula is so crazy that they or I should say so uh, so big that they can't possibly treat it totally seriously, or else it would become either unbelievable or inadvertently laughable as opposed to deliberately laughable? What do you think? 
could also be to offset the the genuinely horrific things that happen um, because this guy was out of his mind and he did do horrible stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's just this uh, this hideous spectacle. And I think they had to I think part of it was that they had to uh, they wanted to sort of amplify um, the the pure insanity of the of the era, but also that. God, we got to give we got to give him something to kind of be entertained by because otherwise this is super grim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but uh, the yeah, it's and the humor is very much a gallows humor as well. I mean, yes. it's a very very dark oh, yeah. dark sense of humor that, in particular, I got to give credit to John Reese Davies for, you know, obviously he's a, a always been a terrific genial presence on screen, but he he really had some chops in making those jokes work. I felt absolutely that scene. yeah, yeah absolutely. That was great. The, the I wonder if all, there's a there's a little bit of her calling him Zeusy that is like um, an example of of normalization. Like by this point, it's just normal that she calls him Zeus, and there's so it's like funny, but it's also she's so well, she's in, also in, high out of her mind because yeah, she's yeah, also yeah. on some on some kind of on some kind of super champagne that they that they seem to have found. Uh, because Claudius comes in super mad at her that she missed Gamellus's funeral. She's like, what do you care? I'm a supervillain. We're the same. You're the clown. I'm the fool. I'm the whatever. Look, I'm high on this potion <laughs> that my, my husband Zeus gave me, and it feels great. Yeah. Did anyone have any guesses as to what the potion was, what was in it? I was thinking like maybe opium of some kind. I don't know what, what synthesized or natural drugs they had at the time. I mean, that's the thing. I don't know. I'm super square, so I don't know much about uh, about <laughs> narcotics. But they, I, mean, I was, but I was confused too because I was like, I don't think it, it's like absinthe or anything like that. It's stronger than wine because they are constantly all drunk on wine. Right. But it's probably I'm not it's sure probably what it is. It's probably Fernet Branca. Probably Fernet Branca is my guess. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, probably. at a certain point, when you've drank enough wine, water does it because it's just so different. I guess it's just they're just not used to the feeling. <laughs> In any case, she goes off wandering. She leaves Claudius. Actually, she tries to she tries to tongue kiss Claudius in this scene, yeah. doesn't she? That was weird. I guess it's weird if you have uh, you know outdated morals, you Puritan. But uh, <laughs> you know, I believe in live and let live, and uh, they can do whatever they want. I just love the dead silence on Elliot's part when I mentioned that. Like, I, it's fun. It's funny. I didn't see that scene. <laughs> I just I didn't see any, I didn't see anything wrong with either. But I, I mean, I wonder if she is she's so Drusilla is just like this is how I. I mean, she makes it clear this is how I stay alive is by playing this game with him, and maybe that's now how I have to interact with any man who is conceivably in power is to right. be to be their kind of their pleasure toy, and and she foolishly believes that having uh, Zeus's child inside of her gives her leverage over him. She says, you're scared, I'm scared, but now I have something he's scared of, this this magical godchild that's in my tummy. Right. It, it, that, that's uh, bad to say. <laughs> think it through, dum-dum. <laughs> Just think, think two more seconds about this. Yeah. But I mean, I think you're right, Elliot, that Drusilla's kind of descent into her own imitation of his madness is obviously self-protective. And it's what happens when someone in power sort of destroys all sense of propriety and can lie, lie without consequence and can be act utterly inappropriately. People have to go along or they are not part of the power structure anymore. Yeah. There's, and there's, 
This is the one example in history of this happening, but it was <laughs> never happened again, never will happen again. And and I think her performance is it's one of those performances where on the surface it seems kind of one note because she's kind of doing the same thing. But the more I the more I watched it and the more I like thought about it, I was like, oh, she like I can't fully tell when her character is doing this out of fear and when she's doing it out of. Uh, the feeling of power that she gets from being so right. being part of his circle, and I think that's a really amazing thing. There's a, there's a real mystery at the heart of her performance of like how how much of this does she like and how much of it is just out of self preservation, uh, yeah. which was more impressive on second thought than it was when I was first watching it. And she's going around saying Zussi. <laughs> Zussi. Well, there she she does wander off. Let's not let's not dance around this any longer because she wanders off, <laughs> leaving Claudius behind calling Zussi into the dark corners of the palace until she finally finds her Zussi, Caligula, decked out in an incredible new golden fake beard. <laughs> and he's like... It's, it's pretty good. It's yeah. pretty good, that beard. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think, about, what do you think about his getup as Zeus, Paul? I thought he looked terrific. Yeah, I think did. here's what, here's what we, uh, we got to talk about the style for a little bit. Yeah, please. And... Uh, Caligula's style is flawless. He's always got he's always got the right look. Um, I think he's I think he's terrific. <laughs> <laughs> he's not just wearing a, a golden beard in order to embody Zeus, but also he's got this crown on. He's got a whole new look. He, he's he's dressed in a way that reminded me of uh, at the end of Psycho when Anthony Perkins shows up dressed as his mother, and you're like. In any other situation, this would be kind of laughable because he so doesn't look like the thing he wants to be. But in this situation, it's scary yeah. because he feels like he finally has become the thing he wants to be, and it's a dangerous yeah. thing. Who am I? Zeus, Lord of Heaven, my husband. Who are you? The Queen of Heaven, your wife. Do you trust me? Oh, utterly, my lover, my lord. There'll be no pain, I promise. Pain? Why, what do you want to do, my angel? You know I can resist you nothing. The reveal of it is great and uh, it genuinely startling. And, you know, his the expression on his face is very scary. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just his costume that he's remade. He's also redecorated uh, his whole apartment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> To make it look like Mount Olympus, right? Which means, obviously, you fill, you toss a million peacock feathers onto your bed, and <laughs> you, uh, you add um, shackles to it for some reason. Like Mount Olympus, you have shackles. <laughs> Get a white furry throw, put that on there. I couldn't, I couldn't figure out if it was like a sort of hammock situation, like it was suspended <laughs> from the the ceiling. Yeah, he uh, sits her down on like a kind of swing or hammock before he makes her stood, put the golden were, bracelets on. Yeah, then they were both standing on it, and I was like, no, I think that's just on the ground. <laughs> it wasn't clear. It wasn't clear, but where it ends up is that he gives her more of this magic potion for Nit Branca. We'll accept your sponsorship. Uh, and uh, then he says, try on, these, try on these golden bracelets, and he shackles her, and then undresses her. And he says, I must draw the child from the queen of heaven's womb and swallow it whole. So, I mean... He is telling her what's going to happen. Well, he's, he keeps it. He's like, I have to. I, this isn't going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. And she's like, what do you wait? What? What's not going to hurt? Right. But, At first, yeah, she's but, like, this sounds fun. Another new game. Yeah. <laughs> but then he brings out that rubber knife and that rubber knife has never looked more ominous. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if when he said I have to bring out the, the child from human swallow, I wonder if she just meant like, oh, he's going to kiss me on my belly a bunch of times. 
He's found, he's found a funny way to bring belly kisses into our lovemaking. That's probably what she thought. <laughs> she really, not until the the moment the rubber knife is, is cutting into her, does she seem to get what's going on. Yeah, but she's all potioned up. She's all Fernet Bronca. That's she's, true. That's she's true. Kind of, right. But it's a terrifying scene, and you cut you cut away just as he is cutting away, mm-hmm. and you hear her shriek, and then Claudius is pounding at the door, and finally uh, John Hurt as Caligula as Zeus comes out with obviously jelly in his beard. He stopped to have a scone. Yeah. <laughs> and just says, don't go in there. And it's such a chilling line, I feel like. Uh, used to great effect later in the Ace Ventura films. <laughs> a very subtle very subtle reference and callback i was think, i was thinking when i rewatched this this morning when he says don't go in there don't go in there and it's this chilling moment because caligula is still possessed of madness but also is possessed of knowledge of what he's done yeah. which is clearly to just to, to break it to adrian who wrote that letter it's not strawberry jelly he cut out the fetus of his unborn child and ate it off camera, although there was a scene where it was on camera. Really? Yes. No, why would they do that? <laughs> well, this, so this so there's this there's oh, conflicting no. stories about conflicting stories about whether that was shot or not. There's all these people who saw the original broadcast who were like, Yeah, I saw the fetus. It was in oh, there. Oh boy. And then they right cut it go. out after it was broadcast the first time. And no one's been able to get a straight answer so it's possible that they shot it and it was cut at a different time but a lot of people think they saw it and but nobody's been able to find this footage which is doesn't mean it doesn't exist the bbc at that time was still like mm, a videotape well we shot this tv people said this was the best tv show ever made mm, we need the tape though we, we we've got to record another episode of the goodies or whatever so <laughs> i was just gonna say the goodies uh, <laughs> uh i i feel like this is some mandela effect bullshit and i don't think they ever filmed yeah. it i think they knew at the time like no this is going too far i don't i don't think it would ever get to the point even if they even if it was on the page i don't think that they would get to the point where they would actually shoot it because it's it's so gruesome and i think there's they i think in this series they knew uh when to be kind of subtle about stuff like that like you know, I just don't I, I can't imagine they would film that scene where John Hurt is eating a fetus. <laughs> well, I don't know that the that the footage was actually of him eating, but at least the myth. Uh, let's let's call it a a, a a Roman urban legend got at least to the Wikipedia page to say that in a documentary, uh, it was claimed that they did film. A, uh, there was a scene with a fetus in it. But then they ended up cutting it out. And as you say, Elliot, the BBC no longer has a copy of it. So yeah. I don't know. Which, but you're right, Paul, Paul. Paul, you're absolutely right that, you know, memory is tricky. Mandela effect, as you say. What is the Mandela effect again? So, the man- I mean, I, I know what it refers to, but what, why, why did it come up as Mandela effect? What was the Mandela part? There, there were a number of people who remembered. I asked Paul. Oh, sorry. Okay. Oh, sorry. You say? We can't look. None of us can see each other. <laughs> <laughs> and I just assumed as the official pedantic historian of Ibodius. <laughs> That I would answer, but Paul, you take it. Elliot, I'm sorry. The Mandela effect is this extremely irritating thing where (laughs) people claim that they have seen or heard or read things that were later altered uh, in our modern timeline. And so that's why there is no uh, there is no record of this thing that they very clearly remember that absolutely did happen. And it's named for the notion that people have a memory 
of Nelson Mandela dying in prison. Like they knew that that happened. And uh, so then when he was released from prison and then became president of his country, um, that didn't really, <laughs> that didn't And then used lived for many years way. after that. <laughs> lived for many years after that. Um, that people are saying, no, 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 no. This is like some alternate, somehow somebody has interfered with the timeline of planet Earth because I clearly distinctly remember yes. that Nelson Mandela died in prison. And people say it about... Uh, that it used to be the Bernstein Bears. It was never the Bernstein Bears. That was I don't know why that would be altered. I encountered this personally because I, I on Twitter I made a joke about a page from a Bernstein Bears book from when I was a kid. And people were like, well, you know, it used to be Bernstein Bears. And I'm like, not in this copy I own that says copyright 1983 on it. Like, well, I don't, it's, it's for some reason, uh, Nelson Mandela... The Bernstein Bears and the idea that Sinbad played a genie in a movie; those are yeah. the three. Those are the three uh, points at which human history diverged drastically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the people who figured out how to make time travel happen. There's <laughs> uh, there are three goals. I think the branching point was I Claudius's initial uh, broadcast. Probably, well, there, you know, there is an alternate universe in which the fetus was shown. Mm -hmm. Mandela died in jail. Sinbad was in a <laughs> genie movie called and called uh, called uh, Shazam. And called when, Shazam. When, right. when you say no, 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 Shaquille O'Neal was in a movie called Kazam. They say no, no, no. Both movies existed because to imply that I don't know which black man it was is to say I was a racist, and that can't be true. Yeah. So that that's, I think it, a lot of it comes down to that is is uh, look, you're selling you're asking me to to admit that I made a mistake, and I cannot do that. So obviously I'm in an alternate universe or someone changed it with time travel, starting with I Claudius. Yeah. Even though the name Shazam was the name of a copywritten character, um, <laughs> they added an extra A and so there was no way to sue them. <laughs> That's how movies are made. Yeah. And uh, here's I, a fun here's a fun one that yeah. uh, Matt Gorley often points out because it's part of the James Bond universe. Super, super ego member and famous podcaster. Yes, indeed. The the movie Moonraker, the James Bond movie Moonraker. Um, features the return of the uh, villain Jaws, played by Richard Keel. He's got the metal mouth. Um, you know, he's got he's got a mouthful of metal teeth. Uh, there is a scene where he uh, Jaws encounters this lady scientist who's on the Moonraker shuttle or whatever, and um, she's this uh, this nerdy. She's nerdy. She's got glasses, <laughs> yeah, and she's got <laughs> braids, but she's like this gorgeous model. Um, and there's a scene where they encounter each saying other. She's saying she's a fake, a fake geek girl. She's a fake geek girl. She yeah. could not name any of the things I asked her to name. Um, <laughs> she, they, they like stop and see each other, and he smiles, revealing his metal mouth, and then she smiles, revealing she has braces. And so that's like a funny gag in the movie. Except yeah. in the actual movie, she does not have braces. But we what? all remember it as her having I, braces. I did remember it as her having yes, braces. because here's why. She should have braces. <laughs> how, how would they miss that? That's right. But it's a thing that I so clearly can see in my mind that she has braces. And I have right. not gone back to check that scene because I believe Matt because he's seen these movies a million goddamn times. But I I can see it so clearly. But I have to... I have to chalk that up to that's my faulty childhood memory and also me imposing a thing on this scene that absolutely should be there. Like that I don't it's in yeah. it's bananas that they didn't have that in there. <laughs> anyone anyone with any comedy instincts at all, I any mean, even nascent childhood comedy instincts 
their brains would have corrected that. I understand all, why that happened. It's also because then otherwise, what is the point of that scene? Like, is it because she's tall they're, too? They're in love. <laughs> they're in love. I think they're in love. It's just, I mean, they well, do end up. Love, they they do end up in, in love, sacrificing themselves at the end. So you got to set up that they like each other. I was going to save this for later when we read our dispatches from the Empire, but I'll just I'll I'll bring it up to the top here because Brian wrote in apropos not not on purpose apropos of this that was a hard sentence to say to answer your call for memories of sejanus uh which i, I put out a call on my newsletter for memories of sejanus i've not rewatched the series in a while but i definitely recall the scene where sejanus is in the marketplace after his ascendancy and sees a bust of himself never happened yeah that, that did not happen caster finds the bust of sejanus in the marketplace so brian your brain's broke Ha <laughs> All right. So that's the end of it. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. I knew that was a, I knew I had heard that in another movie. I never would have guessed it was Ace Ventura. That's incredible. <laughs> the, and, uh, and just, it goes, it might go without saying, but uh, all the fetus stuff is there's it, as I mentioned before, that doesn't happen in real life at all. And it doesn't even happen in the book. In the book, Claudius suspects that Caligula killed Drusilla, but the fetus stuff was just classic BBC sensationalism. Wow. That was built up just by the BBC. Yeah. Just for the show. Right. Wow. You know what BBC stands for? What? Better better be carnage. <laughs> oh, I thought it was Big Baby Chomp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We're never going to get Fernet Bronca to sponsor us now. That's <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> terrible. Well, that's the end of the episode. Well, Claudia says, oh, God. And that's the end of the episode. Final thoughts, Paul F. Tompkins? Uh, it really it made me want to rewatch the whole series, and um, in fact, I, I watched this uh, on a on an elliptical machine, and just let it roll right over into the next one. Um, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I'm going to watch the rest of it today. Well, if you have any thoughts or comments that you want to send in via uh, email or audio tape to us, uh, we'll definitely include them in a future episode. It's been such a pleasure to have you here. It's been my thrill. It's been my thrill. I'm going to st stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> Stand by that sentiment. It has been my thrill. Um, <laughs> um, it's been my pleasure, and I, I am excited for uh, uh, for you to discuss the future um, Caligula episodes where John Hurt just absolutely becomes a Martin Short character. It's, <laughs> it's he is, true. He starts prancing around. It absolutely makes you think of Martin Short. And to, my dream is to somehow get Martin Short to play Caligula in that exact ah. wardrobe and makeup would be fantastic. Yeah, my brain played a trick on me because I thought this episode had his incredible performance art piece uh, where he dances around. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, uh, in, in, in various costumes. I forgot and that there's so much more. There's so much more. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Rome is not finished. There's so much more. We're going to take a break. We're going to say goodbye to Paul F. Tompkins. Take a break. When we come back, we'll do Dispatches from the Empire and wrap it up. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, guys. Hey, everybody. This is just a reminder that all these episodes of iPodius have been pre-recorded, including all the letters. So when you send me letters at Hodgman at MaximumFun.org, I enjoy them. The world cannot unless you want to post or repost them at the Maximum Fun subreddit on the Reddit website. The Maximum Fun subreddit is a subreddit on Reddit where people talk about Maximum Fun shows, including iPodius. And I've been using it a lot, getting in there and answering people's questions and saying thank you for their comments. 
Uh, it's a really fun community, and we're doing a lot of iPodius talk over there. So if you have memories of watching iClaudius in Latin class or in a weird moment with your mom or dad when you were a kid, uh, just think to maybe go over there if you want. Reddit.com slash r slash maximum fun. That's reddit.com slash r slash maximum fun. Look for the Judge John Hodgman discussions. Look for the Flophouse discussions. Look for the iPodius discussions. And discuss. Thanks. Um, Elliot, I also have a new segment for us today. Uh, we, we Rather than talk about the actors in the middle of our uh, recap, I saved a couple of actors to talk about now. This is a, a little a version of behind the cardboard scenes. Specifically, were they on Blake's Seven? That's the name. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Blake Seven is a 1970s British sort of cult science fiction show that never that never really gained the the international attention of Doctor Who, obviously, but has remained beloved by certain weirdos. Fair enough to say, Elliot. Yeah, I think that's it. I'm, and especially because it ends in a very surprising way, and so it's always uh, oh. it's it's always been I, like when, growing up. That was the one of the ones that was I, I've never seen the whole series. There are episodes I haven't seen because it was the hardest one to track down. But I would see it mentioned all over the place in my reading on Doctor Who and The Prisoner and all the other British science fiction shows. So Elliot Beth Morris, like uh, many actors on the show, went on to, uh, to to have many 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 television roles in the UK. She played Drusilla on I, Claudius. Was she on Blake 7? What's your best guess? I'm going to say there's only seven of them. Uh, could she be one of them? Literally, I'm gonna say... there are only seven actors on Blake 7? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess not. I've never That's seen true. this show. I've never seen the show. I just know. <laughs> I'm going to say. Uh... Christine Connor's dad loved it. That's all I know. <laughs> I'm going to say yes, just because why else would you bring it up? Ding, ding, ding. She was on Blake 7, but not Doctor Who. Which is, you know, that's specialization right there. <laughs> like, uh, and sadly, Beth Morris passed away just last year, I, I learned, at the age of 74. But she seemed to have a, a great, fun, and wonderful life. And she was incredible in this episode. But how about John Laramore, who played Lentulus? The senator was totally into Caligula until he had to kill himself. Uh, um, was, was he on Blake 7 or no? I'm, I'm going to say also yes. Oh, sorry, Elliot. Wrong. Oh, he, he was not on Blake 7, but he was on Doctor Who as Count Federico in the serial Mask of the Mandragora starring Tom Baker. Bonus, he was also on Space 1999. That's pretty good. And and now now that we're talking about it, I'm looking up and it says, according to Wikipedia, he was on The Prisoner too. I wonder what character he played. Wow, that's the trifecta of, yeah. the, <laughs> of, of important British culty science fiction shows. Mm-hmm. I wonder, you, you look that up while I say, uh, remember how I say that I, I knew that the character who came out saying the Emperor Tiberius is not dead, he's asking for his supper and his ring, was named Slave? Mm-hmm. That's because that's how he was credited in the, in the credits. He was played by Alan Tucker. Alan Tucker played Slave. Now think back, Elliot. Was he on Blake 7? Uh, I'm going to say yes again for this one. You're just saying that to, to be a good sport. <laughs> I don't No. <laughs> so he was not on Blake Seven, you're saying. Not a, you already said there are only seven of <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, that's true. Well I don't maybe he was I mean we've got six to go after after Beth, so here's here's my no, no, we're only doing uh two more. 
which is two. Oh, so according to this, uh, according to this, John Lorimer, according to IMDb, John Lorimer played Ernst in the Many Happy Returns episode of The Prisoner. Oh, that's a good episode. Is that the one where he thinks he got off the island, but he didn't? Yeah, he wakes up and everybody's gone. And uh, he goes right. he goes back to London, and then it turns out it was all... Spoiler alert, he, he didn't get off the island. He didn't get out of the village. There are a lot of people who have never seen this thing, and you oh, just sorry. it. I mean, truly. This is like when I did a, a Plan 9 from Outer Space live on stage. Dana Gould mounts these live readings of the screenplay from Plan 9 from Outer, Outer Space on stage. And it's a lot of fun for people who know what Plan 9 from Outer Space is. But what I discovered doing this, or I should rather say fellow castmate Scott Adsit discovered talking to the audience in Tarrytown, New York, after we did it a couple of months ago, was that um, there is a generational uh, uh, erasure of Plan 9 from Outer Space. A lot of people in the audience did not know what it oh, was. Oh, wow. That's surprising. Yeah. Yeah. And not so not so surprising because Plan 9 from Outer Space became known as one of the worst movies in the world back when that was being discussed in nerdy movie magazines and books and sort of like in books and uh and mystery science three three thousand era sort of film nerddom and that time is long past now people can see everything there's no there's no people know there are many many worse movies than <laughs> yeah that. that's true so anyway, uh, you're welcome, everyone, because Elliot just spoiled a really good episode of a really good show, The Prisoner, that you probably have never heard of. I mean, of. you should check, check it out. out. All the episodes kind of in the same way. <laughs> yeah. You'll forget what Elliot has said by the time you get around yeah. to watching it. All right. Anyway, Alan Tucker was not on Blake 7, but let me ask you this question. Did he play Latep in episodes three through six of Planet of the Daleks <laughs> on Doctor Who? In 1973 <laughs> or four, uh, I'm gonna say uh, oh, it's so specific. It, it's probably true, but maybe you're maybe you're, it's so specific, so it's not true. I'm gonna say no, he didn't. No, he did. Of course, he did. I was giving uh, that one to you, Elliot. I'm not just a monster. <laughs> it was a serial written by Terry Nation. All right, last 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 one of these. What about the guy who played the stonemason? <laughs> Guess what his name is? One of the great names. One of the great names. Of I all don't time. know. First name Arthur. That's that's good. Last name Wybrow. W H Y B R O W. Was he on Blake Seven? Uh, yeah. I mean, with a name no, like that, no, I would have no, guessed he wasn't, everything. He wasn't. He no, wasn't. He wasn't on Blake Seven. He wasn't on Doctor Who. He played. He had a lot of had a lot of jobs. He played three different roles on the on the crime show Minder, the British crime show Minder, landlord Buzz Boswell and Patty Hurley. But he's most famous for single handedly trying to launch an off brand Doctor Who uh, uh, rip off show called Doctor Y Brown. <laughs> really took a long long route. Really took a long route to that terrible joke. And finally. Douglas Melbourne Gamellis never was on Blake seven, never was on Dr. Who the most that I could find was his mini biography on IMDB that said Doug Melbourne was a child actor who appeared in BBC's I Claudius as well as a number of theatrical roles, including a West end production of Terrence Radigan's cause celeb Igor Stravinsky's Igor Stravinsky's a soldier's tale and a major production of Oliver at the Gaumont State Kilburn. 
Subsequently, he has diversified into music, contributing to a number of BBC productions, as well as playing keyboards with a number of bands. He is married to the musician Carrie Melbourne and lives in Wiltshire. IMDb mini biography provided by Doug Melbourne. <laughs> Doug, so I don't know if you... Seems pretty authoritative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doug, I don't know. I don't know if you're, uh, if you listen to podcasts as well as submit your own biography to IMDb, but I, but I feel you. I thought you were, gr- I thought he was great in this role. Yeah, me too. I truly got creeped out by this kid and I really enjoyed his cough acting much better than uh caster's cough acting in the last episode. <laughs> much more, much more. Uh, it had a lot more phlegm to it. It was good. <laughs> it and had Doug, that real coughing feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. We do get dispatches from the Empire from time to time. I read one of them already from Brian. We have another great letter uh, from Adam Coford, a.k.a. Ape Lad, uh, my, uh, our friend, uh, cartoonist and illustrator who actually designed our logo, which let's just say is inevitably similar to the, uh, the I Tompkins logo that Paul <laughs> described earlier in the episode. There's no way around it. I asked him, I asked him for his permission and blessing before we basically took his idea. Uh, Adam did a great job on that and he wrote a great letter, but it's a little bit long and I think it deserves its due next time. And meanwhile, uh, Elliot, Kalen, you still owe us a song. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, my voice is not in the finest fettle, but I'll do it. This is, uh, this is Livia, the poisoning lady, uh, as teased in a previous episode. Uh, and it is to the tune of Lydia, the tattooed lady. And it goes like this. I'll do the musical intro fanfare. Livia, Olivia, say, have you met Livia? Livia, the poisoning lady. By tainting wine and food and figs, she maintains control of her cardboard digs. Livia, Olivia, she's full of invidia. Livia, the schemer of schemes. Protecting Rome, or so she claims. She poisons, betrays, and rapists frames. But how can she remember all of their names? It's not easy being Livia. She pins all her hopes on Tiberius. In this she is quite deadly serious. And if you should get in his way, my dear, it won't be long till you are out of here. La la la, la la la. She got Marcellus, Agrippa, Drusus, Gaius, Augustus, and Lucius. If not for henchmen to kill Fabius and Posthumus, she probably would have poisoned them Tushus. La la la, la la la. <laughs> She'll tell the truth if she thinks you're a smarty. She'll spill it all at her birthday party. Just bring your own wine to her breakfast, or your end just may end up being next. Olivia, say Livia, her life is now trivia. Livia, the queen of old Rome. Should someone catch Augustus' eye, then you can bet they'll sicken and die. And for it all in hell, she fears she will fry. You should stay away from Livia. So that's the song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, marvelous. Wasn't that marvelous? I tell you, they don't write novelty songs that way anymore. That was one. I have a little gift for you. It's just a token of my appreciation. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Truly, I feel that way. I haven't been able to break out the boss nass voice for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm glad to give you an opportunity for it. <clears throat> but everything I, everything I said is absolutely, absolutely sincere. That was above and beyond the Call of Duty. I was supposed to write a rewrite of the uh, the uh, the elephant uh, the elephant sketch, the elephant shopkeeper sketch. That would actually be funny to replace the one we did before. I didn't do it. Elliot Kalen, you did it. You did your homework and you did. It was an amazing job. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. That was great. 
one note. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, boy. Would you read the line about breakfast again? Uh, just bring your own wine to her breakfast, or your end just may end up being next. Now, I know she doesn't really poison anyone at her breakfast. That's <laughs> No, no, I think, but I, I think it would be, if you don't mind, look, I dabble in this myself a little. <laughs> the power structure is such that I can impose upon you my idea lazily, even though I wrote nothing. <laughs> don't you think? Don't you think it should be something more like, I don't know, uh, bet, best to bring your own wine to her breakfast, or your death may just be the nextest. Oh, that would You're be good, too. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name's John Hodgman. I'm an inveterate asshole, and I can't, <laughs> and I can't stop apologizing to uh, and and appreciating my friend Elliot Kalen for everything he does. That's one for the history books. Let's wrap up this episode and then immediately delete it so the people who hear it will be sure that they heard it, but no one else in the world will know, and it'll be a Mandela effect all over again. Next time, we will be watching and discussing I, Claudius, episode IX, Hail Who? Uh... <laughs> In which a surprising turn of events happens. We'll say that. This episode of iPodius has been a production of Maximus Fun. Our producer, Jordan Cowling. Our senior producer, Laura Swisher. And if you happen to be watching iClaudius as you listen to the podcast, please share your thoughts and reactions with us. You can get to him at, at Hodgman on Twitter and at John Hodgman on Instagram. And you can get to me at, at Elliot Kalen on Twitter. Our theme song, Theme from iClaudius, was performed by our very own guest today, Paul F. Tompkins. And all of this exists thanks to you, members of Maximum Fun. And indeed, Elliot Kalen, thanks to you. My thanks to you. Oh, and, and to you as well. This is I'm, I'm so glad we're doing this, and I'm just uh, so excited to see what else is going to happen in ancient Rome. I think Caligula is going to turn it around. I think <laughs> that's right. That's right. We're gonna make Rome, make Rome great again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for now, goodbye from I, John Hodgman, and I, Elliot Kalen. I was thinking about killing you, but I've changed my mind. Maximusfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Should we not give the gods the things that we promised them? <laughs> 